Thank you very much. That was wonderful. Makes uh, That just helps makes Christmas, doesn't it? I want to ask you to look in your Bibles. We're going to go back to where we, our Sunday school lesson was at. In, in Luke chapter 2, here's the Christmas story. We're going to look together, beginning in verse 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, four Gospels. We're looking at the third one. Luke chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place when Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone in his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. So he registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child, and so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And as she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. And let's pause and have prayer. Lord, will you bless us today as we study your word. May your Holy Spirit just be able to speak to us and challenge us. And may this be a day in which you're truly honored and glorified. And, and Lord, I just ask it can be a start of just a wonderful week. I thank you again for each person that's here, each person that's listening. 
wherever that is. And I just pray that you would just bless now. We ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, some of you I know have been Christmas shopping, and some have been doing that online, but there's still some that go to the stores. And so there was a big sale taking place at this store, and everybody had to have what was on sale. So they crowded there to be the first one because, you know, you don't want to be careful that they don't, they run out of what's on sale. And so everybody was there waiting for the opening. And so one man started to make his way through the line, cutting through, cutting through, getting up. He about got almost all the way up to the front. And somebody said, what are you doing? You can't be cutting line. And the next thing you know, they were cursing him and doing things and they shoved him and he found himself at the end of the line. So he just gathered himself back up and took off again. He was making his way back up front, and somebody got upset again, and somebody actually punched him in the jaw. And they just knocked him around and shoved him, and finally they pushed him all the way back to the end of the line. Well, the guy that was right in front of him, he looked at him, and he said, I'm going to try this one more time. And he said, if they hit me this time, I'm not even going to open the store. Sometimes we just don't realize who it is that we're trying to leave out. And when we get to this story, the Christmas story in Bethlehem, people didn't realize who it was that they were leaving out. Well, let's take a look at this. Today we're looking at no room in the inn. What does that mean, and how did all that come to take place? Well, it started, how did it happen? We see it started with a decree, a decree from Caesar, Caesar Augustus. Actually, his name was Octavius. And Octavius, you know, it's, it's interesting when you study him. At one time, he was known as the precepts, the leading citizen. He was known as the Pontifex uh, Maximus, the high priest. Then he became known as Augustus, the supreme ruler. And then he had people declaring to be God, a God. So here's a, this guy that claims to be a God, and he thinks that everything is happening because of him. He issues a decree. They're going to collect these taxes. Now, then they had started where they were every about 14 years. They were to have a census and to have a, these taxes. But this was apparently the first in this area. And it had been put off and put off, and so he said, we're going to do it this way. Now, there's not a lot of places you could have said, go to your hometown where your family's from, but with the Jews you could do that because they kept up with all their lineage because with uh, the year of Jubilee, all the land was tied to their family. And so they knew eventually it was going to be theirs. There was some type of connection to it, and so everybody had to go back to their homeland. So why was there so many people headed to Jerusalem? Because of this decree. But then we also see a prophecy that was found in the book of Micah. In Micah chapter 5, we're told that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. The wise men would later be on their way, and they would stop. They'd lost track of the star, and they would stop and see King Herod, and they'd say, hey, where is this Messiah, the one born king of the Jews? And he got the leaders together, and he asked them, and they knew right away. The prophet tells us it would be 
Bethlehem. Michael wrote 700 years beforehand. And so wait a minute. Is it Caesar Augustus that brought this about or is it God? 700 years beforehand saying that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Who arranged this? Could it be that God was even at work through this Caesar making this decree to bring arrangements so that Joseph and Mary would find themselves in Bethlehem. And then we see a third thing, because, see, some people, they would read this story and they say, wait a minute, it says here that about Joseph and Mary, this was his betrothed wife. If you're betrothed, you wouldn't be together yet. Why was Mary with him? She should still be with her family. And she's pregnant, so why would he make her travel like this? Well, in Matthew's gospel, we see Joseph had a dream. You see, Joseph had been like everybody else. He didn't believe Mary, and he thought, well, she's pregnant, and so I'm going to be a nice fellow about it, and I'm just going to divorce her privately because when you was betrothed, it was a serious thing, and the only way to end it was by divorce. But he had this dream, and the angel told him in the dream, you take Mary to be your wife. And so Joseph, when the dream was over with, he basically said, this is God's son. It's the Holy Spirit that has done this. And you are to be, you are to be the adoptive father. And Jesus, you see, Joseph when you study his lineage, he was right from the King David all the way down through all the kings. And so Jesus, being his adopted son, would be a rightful heir to the very throne. We also see marriage lineage, and she also was a descendant of David, but it wasn't from the kingly side, but Jesus would have David's blood. And so he said, you get married. And so in Matthew 124, you know what it tells us? It says that Joseph was obedient and acted right away with haste, and he went and took Mary. You know what he was doing? He was really protecting her from shame. He didn't want people to no longer be saying things about her, misjudging her. Her family, there was many of them, were trying to, try to, to exclude her. And Joseph went and took her for her own protection. He said, I'm going to be responsible for her and for the baby from now on. And so why are they traveling to Bethlehem? Because Joseph wants them with her. He wants to protect her. Listen, isn't that what a husband is supposed to do is protect his family, protect his wife? And he's concerned about her reputation, so he wants her with him. He doesn't want her to, to be subject anymore to jeers, to gossip. He wants her with him. So that way she knows she's loved. That way that he can see what's taking place. And so how did all of this begin to happen? These are the reasons. Caesar Augustus, God was at work. And then Joseph being a protective husband. What was it like going into Bethlehem? There's, we know there's no room in the inn. Why well, was there no room in the inn? Here's what we know, that it was a crowded, chaotic place. Everybody that was from David's family and then anybody from Bethlehem, they had to come to be able to have the census and then to pay their taxes. And so it was a crowded, chaotic place. 
It's like going into Nashville. You don't have to have a wreck or an accident or a car broken down. Now, if you have that, you're really going to be in trouble. But there's certain times where there's just too many cars for the road, and so you're going to be stuck in traffic just because there's too many people. And that's how it was in Bethlehem. There's too many people for the homes, too many people for the places to stay. And so as a result, it's just crowded. It's chaotic. I was in seminary one year, and so there were some paintings that were hung up on display. And so the professor said, you have to go look at these paintings, and you've got to write a paper on it, so I know that you went and looked at them. <laughs> Good. So went and looked at these paintings. There's a painting of Bethlehem. And they captured it. Boy, was it chaotic. It was crowded. You could see there was camels and donkeys and people everywhere. Then you have Joseph and Mary way over here. But you got the idea. Even people that understood Messiah's going to be born in Bethlehem, they got so caught up in what was happening, they wouldn't aware of what God was doing. You know what? It's a reminder to us. We get so caught up in the chaos of life that we forget that God is at work. And so many times we miss what God is doing. We don't see it. We get the stress, the pressure. you got to pay taxes. And we miss that God is working and moving. It was a crowded place. People were in a hurry. Oh, when people get in a hurry, they're not very patient. They're not very kind. It was hurry up and then wait. Just like going to see a doctor or the hospital and an emergency's happened. There's been something else take place that they weren't expected, and you're going to have to wait. So it's hard to wait. Hurry up. Pay up. If you're hurrying up and having to wait, and then you're having to pay money, you can just imagine people aren't feeling good, so they're disgruntled. So now you've got all these people here. They may have been excited about coming, thinking we're going to have a family reunion. But everybody's having that, and so now there's so many people, you're not happy. People are disgruntled. They're distracted. They're missing out on what God is actually doing in Bethlehem. Now let's just go back to Mary and Joseph. What does all this mean for Mary and Joseph? Well, Mary and Joseph then were pushed out. There's no room in the inn. An inn is not like what you and I would think. We would think of a hotel where you could go and you can sleep and get fed. You pay some money, but so be it. No, you see, there the Jews would have practiced hospitality. And so when you've got all this family coming in, all the extra spaces in people's homes were all filled. They had an inn, but it was for caravans. It was for families that were traveling together. And what they would do is up at the top, they'd have a loft and they'd be able to sleep there. At the bottom, they'd have a place for the animals. But it was full. There's no room there. You see, so... All over town, there's no room, even where the animals are at. There's no room. So you're kind of pushed from Bethlehem, from the center of town to the outskirt. So where exactly is Mary and Joseph pushed to? You know, it's interesting. There's a verse in the Bible. You can write this down. It's 
we had a while ago, Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, but there's also a verse, the chapter before, chapter 4, verse 8. Now let me read verse 2 to you. It says, But you, O Bethlehem of, of Etheran, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth me, uh, to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forths are from of old and from everlasting. That's the Messiah. Well, chapter 4, verse 8 says, And you, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion. To you it shall come. Even the former dominion shall come, the kingdom of the daughter of Jerusalem. A reference to maybe the birth of this Messiah. The tower of the flock. See, there was a tower that was outside of the north side of Bethlehem on its way toward Jerusalem. And this tower of the flock, it was first built there to be able to as a protection so people could see enemies coming. But at Bethlehem, it became, the fields became a place for flocks where they raised their sheep. And this tower, it became a place where they could look over the, the sheep, the shepherds could, and they could also spot if there's enemies or there's beasts or animals out there, see where the best grazing was going to take place. And so they had this tower. So could it be that Mary and Joseph are pushed out to the outskirts toward this tower. And see, this tower was also, in below it was a cave. And this cave is where the, sh the shepherds, because these weren't just any shepherds, these were shepherds that raised the sheep that would be sacrifices. And so whenever there was a lamb that was going to be born, they would take the, the ewe and they would put her in this cave. When Then when the little lamb was born, they would wrap its feet in swaddling cloths. Because see, to be a sacrificial lamb, you had to be spotless without any defects. And so to keep those lambs from hurting themselves, they would wrap them. And it would be right there in that cave under the tower. So Mary and Joseph have been pushed to the outskirts. It's time for birth. And you see, if in town there's all these people, but now in the outskirts, if they're in this cave, they wouldn't be that many people. You wouldn't be able to find a handmaid, a midwife, or some other lady to help. It's Mary and Joseph. And so when we read here in Luke's Gospel, in verse 6, it says, so, why, so it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son. It's pretty simple. You see, some people, what's it like for God's son when he was born? Just like anybody else. Except there's nobody around. And they're out in Bethlehem where the sheep are at. And God has entered this world. Jesus has become of a human being, a man, just a little baby, just like anybody else, wrapping, swaddling clothes. Then when you keep reading Luke's gospel, chapter 2, the angels appear to the shepherds. These shepherds are out there with their flocks, 
Shepherds were people that he couldn't even testify in court. They weren't considered, they weren't considered much. They thought they were rough, couldn't be trusted. And yet the angels appear to these shepherds. And they say to them, here's a sign for you. You're going to find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Reading a devotion not long where this guy said, I always had it in my head that the shepherds went from barn to barn looking, trying to figure out where he was at. But that's not what happened. This will be a sign to you. It's going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes, just like those lambs. They knew where the lambs were kept. And those shepherds ran with haste. And they got there immediately because they, they knew where to look. They understood the sign. And they went because they'd been there. They had... They'd seen the birth of these lambs before. And by the way, it's thousands of lambs. Thousands that had been sacrificed. But now, the lamb was being born. The sacrificial system would have to be no more. Sin was terrible. And sin had to be paid for. And the blood had to be shed. And these lambs were sacrificed. But now it would be the lamb. The lamb of God. And so just as John said, Behold the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Here you have him. You see, Bethlehem, the house of bread, what people need is to be fed. They're hungry, and it's a spiritual hunger. They need Christ. They need forgiveness. And here is a baby. Bethlehem had produced the bread of life, and Jesus had said later on, he broke the bread, and he said, this is my body broken for you. This is what you need. This, I'm the only one that can provide for you and fill you with the hunger that you have. And then Jesus said, and this is going to be my blood that is shed for you. What would it take to pay the penalty of sin, to be able to have a relationship with God? It would take his shed blood. And so here we have it. Right in the Christmas story, why was there no room in the end? There's no room in the end. Yeah, because it was a tax that was going on. But there's no room in the end because God is at work. And Joseph and Mary are brought to this place because God wants His Son born where the lambs are born. See, He, as far as I know, is the only baby that was born with the lambs because that's who He is, the Lamb of God. Friend, Christmas. <laughs> Why do we celebrate Christmas? We're celebrating the birth of God's Son. And the story tells us about why He came. He came to give us life, to shed His blood so we could be forgiven. Let me ask you something. We talk about gifts and gifts and gifts, but have you received the greatest gift, the forgiveness of your sin? Have you 
been filled to where you have a peace. That hunger has been filled. And you know that His blood's been applied and you're forgiven. See, today you can, you can really have the great gift of Christmas by receiving Christ, making Him your Lord and Savior, repenting of your sin and placing your faith in Christ. And you can receive this great gift and Christmas can take on a whole new meaning. Let me take just a moment and let's have prayer together. Lord, thank you for letting us be able to come to celebrate this week of Christmas. Lord, may you just be able to allow this message to sink in. Lord, to help us to take it to heart. And today, may you be honored and glorified. And Lord, may people today, maybe there's somebody that, that has never understood Christmas, but today, You've spoken to them, and maybe today is the day that they come and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There's no doubt, Jesus loves us. He agreed to become a little baby. He agreed to live life, to go through our trials and temptations. And yes, so he could relate to us, but even more so, so that he could die in our place, so he could pay our, our, the penalty of our sin, so that he could provide forgiveness. And Lord, I just ask that that message today would ring out in people's hearts and minds, and that for somebody here that needs you, that they would have the courage to receive Christ. Help us each one to be thankful and to truly to be able to celebrate Christmas and knowing that it's so special. I just ask, Lord, that today there may be some families that are hurting. And maybe there's some people that aren't fulfilling their role. Maybe there's husbands that are not protecting like they should. They're not there, and their wives wonder if they care, if they really love them. Lord, that shouldn't be. And so may today you just be at work in changing that atmosphere, changing what's taking place. Maybe there's children that are hurting. I just ask that today that you would just provide a healing for families. May your will be done, and we ask this in Jesus' name.